Welcome back to the self-love series. Today I'm sitting down with three women who I know and love so much that are return missionaries and they share their journey of mental health through their missions and their top self-care tips of what helped them get through what they went through. So I hope you enjoy this episode and that your better self-love starts today. get right into it so first I'm gonna have you guys share um, your name and then when you got home from your mission or your name where you served and how long you've been home okay so we'll start here um so my name is Soraya and I served in the Sacramento California mission um, and I have been home for almost a year um, it's been 10 months last May Awesome. Um, I'm Lonnie. I served in the Long Beach and Anaheim, California mission, and I've been home about a month. Only a month? Yeah. Right? The 11th. Yeah, it's been a month. Holy cow. Yeah. Okay. My name is Pauline. I served in Tonga, and I've been um, home a month and a few weeks. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have you guys on the show. For those that don't know, Soraya is my one of my younger sisters. We're eight years apart. Um, and Lonnie and Pauline, I'm related to Pauline, um, but I've known these two for forever. We've always been in the same ward until until they left on their missions. And then when they came home, we've, we're all in different wards now. But love them. They were in my primary class when I had my first calling ever out of the youth. And then they were in my young women's before they graduated and now they're here and they're all returned missionaries. So today we're just going to talk about, um, how mental health factors in, um, to a mission and how it can be affected. So we'll just get straight into it <clears throat> with you guys. So Lon, I'm going to ask you first. <laughs> yes. So with you going out, I mean, I know you've shared it before, like in your homecoming talk of what you went through, um, and with your struggles, um, like with being homesick and things like that, did you think that you would struggle in the way that you did? If you could just tell us a little bit about how that came to be, um, kind of what your struggles were with, and then at what point you felt it was an issue with the work progressing and what you did to get through it? Um, I think like I always knew that the mission was gonna be hard. Like that's something that I like went out with was like, it's gonna be hard because me personally, I hate talking to people. I'm just such an introvert that like going on a mission was something that was like really hard for me to like decide to do because I knew that I'd have to talk to people. I'd have to tell them like, what the church is about, like just preach. Um, and I feel like I've kind of, I think I like learned that like I've always had anxiety. So I was always nervous about doing things just because like, I'm just, 
I don't get out there, I guess. I don't put myself out there is what I'm trying to say. And like going on a mission, you have to like be that person to be like, oh, hi, like be the first one there to be like, hi, I'm sister so-and-so. And so like that was so hard for me. And like going out, like my first door was like so hard because my companion was like, you have to like go and look for the person. And I was like, how do I even do that? Like, that's just yeah. so weird. <laughs> How do you just go and knock on a random person's door? But, like, that was really hard for me. Like, things like that, like, especially on a mission. I feel like everybody at some point has anxiety or depression, you know? Like, you just, people don't talk about it, but, like, you just have it. It's, it's going to be there regardless what you go through, whether you're on a mission or you're at home. But I think, like, when it got really hard was, like, me like being homesick and then me having to like train a new missionary and then me having to like leave a companion that I've known for like 18 weeks and like that's not that long but like for a missionary it's like it's long long <laughs> and it's like you know this person like in, the ins and outs and like me and this companion specifically were like we knew how to teach together but like me training a whole new missionary is like oh my gosh like that's too much for me and I told my mission president that's a lot like I can't and so like leading up to that like I just kept more getting more anxious and more like oh my gosh I feel like I'm in pain like I don't know I was just so sad and I just kept thinking to myself like why am I sad like what what's wrong you know and like then I just would like cry myself to sleep and like just want to stay in bed all the time until like I felt like I had to be like okay because I was that missionary that was like, I need to be out. Like, I can't be inside, but like, because I was feeling sad, I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to stay here. I feel like that's when, like, everything really hit me hard at that point in my mission. And I knew it was hitting me hard, but I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody. But I knew I had to talk to my mission president because it wasn't fair to my trainee, first of all. Like, what she wasn't going to learn anything from me. And so, like, it wasn't fair to her that like I was sad or that I wasn't doing anything because I'm supposed to teach her. Um, and so like I did talk to my mission president and I found help through going to therapy, um, which was really hard for me because like my parents weren't supportive, especially my dad. Like my mom was um, more supportive than my dad was. And he just was like, you're fine. He was like, you're happy. And I was like, no, like, no, I'm not, Dad. It's different. Like, it's so much different, like, today than it was, like, when he served. And so, like, it was really hard to, like, like, not have both of them on the same page that I was because that's what I was supposed to do. My bishop president was like, well, like, in order for you to go to therapy, like, talk to your parents first. And I was, like, scared, but I, like, found help through talking to my therapist. Um, and just like she made me like help me to like find ways to just calm my nerves and to find things that would make me happier on my mission and so yeah I'm rambling no you're not that's awesome um if you could share a little bit because I think a lot of people I know like myself included um can relate to you and how their parents feel about like therapy and things like that nowadays that people utilize and use when it comes to mental mental health um, in that they don't like understand or agree and they almost feel like that's for like broken people that have issues and that we should be strong enough or have enough faith to get over it so I think that that's 
I mean, there's, I know there's so many people like that beyond just like your parents, but I know you shared a little bit previously of like that with your parents. Um, but I thought it was super powerful. Like the comment that your mom ended up telling you when she kind of came around and supporting you to do that. Can you share that? Yeah. Of what your mom told you? Mm -hmm. I like at that point, like I was calling my mom, like, even though it wasn't P day, cause I was like, I need help like some way. Like I can't talk to my companion. Like my companion didn't even know English. So I was like, first of all, teaching her English. A whole new <laughs> level so, of like, anxiety. It was just a lot to take in like at once. And like, so I was talking to my mom a lot and I was like contemplating going home because that was brought to the table like at my first therapy session and she just kept telling me how like you know sisters aren't you know they're not required to be here but because you served at that point I was at nine months she was like you've given him nine months that's more than he's ever asked you know and so that I found a lot of comfort in that because I was like okay I think it is time for me to like throw in the towel and just be like okay I'm done um because like I just needed like my me time because like you're with somebody 24 seven and it's just, it's annoying. But I mean, I like, it was meant to be, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but um, just like my mom, she just, one day I was like, I think I'm gonna come home. And she was like, well, why? And I just was like, I'm done. Like, there's no point in me being on a mission. Like, I can't help people because I'm not helping myself. Like, I don't even know what's wrong. Why am I sad? Like. And I just felt a lot of responsibility that I felt like I couldn't handle and that I didn't need in my life. And that nine months was enough for the Lord. Um, and so I, like, I prayed about that, but like talking to my mom, she was like, no, you're not coming home. You're gonna stay there. Like Jesus Christ didn't give up halfway. Why are you giving up halfway? And that like stuck with me because like the savior really didn't give up halfway. He was here. He knew what his role was. He was, he, fulfilled it all like he's gonna come again and I think that my testimony like really grew and my testimony has always relied on my mom but mm -hmm. because of how strong she is and because she helped me get through like my whole mission because every Monday I'd be like I'm coming home like I'm done like this is too much like she was just always like Jesus Christ never stopped why are you stopping and if it wasn't for her, I probably would have come home. But like she texted me later and was like, come home. <laughs> like, just come. And I was like, again. Like, you you're already me. You already like, told me about Jesus. Now I, I feel guilty. Like, I'm staying. I, know, I was like, first you guilt tripped me. And now I'm like, okay, I'm staying. And then she's like, we miss you. Come home. I was like, who does that? But I mean, my mom just like loves me like Sorry. to tell me both but she's she obviously would not let me come home so after her telling you that like probably of what you wanted to hear originally when you said that you were going to go home what made you end up like staying and sticking sticking it out um i prayed a lot like i was constantly praying about what i should do and like coming home didn't feel right like every time I talk about it, like in my prayer, it was just like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, yeah. I just cannot go home. Like I know, but like, I was just always trying to like find that reason. Like yes. you're gonna go home early. But my brother helped a lot. Like he was always like, you got this. And I think like my brother and my mom, like my brother understood the struggle. And then like, I talked to the other missionaries, like, you know, um, 
I think, thing. I just lost like my train of thought. No, that's awesome. And I like that you brought that up because I think it's worth like reiterating. Um, I think it's relatable. I mean, your guys' situations, even to people that will watch that haven't served a mission like me, but, um, I mean, people are going to come across things that are going to be really hard in life and they're going to want to give up. And I think the advice that your mom gave you is something that's super powerful for people to remember and have that cross their mind as motivation to like keep pushing through whatever is hard they're going through um, because the savior didn't quit or give up on us. Um, but another thing of what you just said about um, your prayers and feeling just like it wasn't right to leave is what helped you to stay. I think that's a good reminder too um, because I think a lot of times people pray with only one answer in mind that they want to receive. So rather than going with the feelings, I think they try to ask for literal things like signs, give me like a sign or have this happen and then I'll know that I should go home. Rather than just praying and being silent and still and listening to the spirit and how it makes you feel. And sometimes it's the harder answer that we don't want, but it's the thing that still brings us more peace. Um, and that's, what's right. So I love that you brought that up because I think that's a good reminder. I know that I used to be someone until my early twenties that thought that that's how you prayed and got answers was having like a literal sign. Like I drive by a sign and it says something. I'm like, that's it. That's my answer. <laughs> he had me see that sign for a reason, but it's more so about listening to the spirit, um, making the decision and then listening to the, the spirit when you pray, if that's the right choice of what of what you should do. So thank you for bringing that up and for sharing that. We'll come back to you in a little bit. So Raya, I know your struggles obviously a little more because you are my sister. Um, so if you could kind of get into talking about how your mental health was tested a little more so than ever before in your life through, um, your mission. Um, well, with mine, obviously, like, never being away from home, um, like Lonnie said, you go into it expecting that it's going to be hard, like, but you don't ever get told why it's hard. Like, it's it's just different when you experience it as a missionary. You know it's going to be hard, but you, until you serve, you literally, there's no way of explaining why it's hard. And so, on my mission, I think... My companions were um, were a big part of my mental health. Some of them I really did not get along with. And that was really hard for me because the people I'm around all the time, like I'm not one to hang out with somebody if I don't like them and if I can't be around them. So my circle is very small. It's my siblings and these two. <laughs> And very few people. So when it, like Lonnie said, being with somebody all the time, like it's super annoying. And if it's somebody that you just don't get along with, like it's so hard and that really affects the work. Um, but I would just always have to like go back to the things that I knew. Like if there's contention in my companionship, I can't teach effect, effective. Um, I can't go out and proselyte effectively. Like just it plays a part into everything as a missionary work. So that was kind of like easy to get over. Um, and there would be things that happened at home um, with like family members, just like little things that because 
were all so close to siblings, like those things really affected me and I would cry. I would go and I would kneel in the bathroom and I would cry a little bit, not a little bit, but a lot. And then I would get over it and I could go out to work and I could focus again. So it was easy for me to get over those like little but big things to me um, and to get back to work. Um, but it wasn't until Ken Rod, my best friend, um, died in February, a few months before coming home, that I was like really tested. And even then, I feel like I wouldn't allow myself any time to grieve or to process over it. Um, when I left on my mission, we we weren't on good terms. We, I was mad at him for some reason because I always get so mad at him. And so we didn't say bye before I left. And um, I remember being so mad that he didn't like email me or anything when I had first gotten out. He didn't email me until I think December, which is only a month after I left on my mission, but it's a big <laughs> deal to me. And so I remember him emailing me and um, like apologizing. And I remember not emailing him back because I was still mad. And then I took my time. I wrote a whole long letter, which is what I would do when I was struggling with any of like things that had happened with my siblings is I would either write a really long journal entry or I would write a really long letter to that sibling or whoever. So I did that to Kenrod and I sent the letter to um, my work, which is the only address I knew how to get to him because we worked together. So I sent to there and he didn't ever write me back. So then I was annoyed. But then we got on to good terms again. Like we were talking, we were fine. Um, and then when he passed away, it was like, I, I can remember that day like so clearly waking up in the morning and not supposed to be reading my emails. But for some reason that day, it was Sunday morning and I got into my emails before church and I saw the email from my mom telling me that he had passed away the night before in a car accident. And I remember just like putting my tablet down and just like sitting there for a few seconds and not even knowing like what to do, um, what to say. And normally like my first instinct is to read my favorite comforting scripture or um, to go and pray. But this time it was different. I didn't want to do either of those things, I just wanted to cry. And so I remember um, it was kind of nice because it was just me and my companion um, living together. At the time, we didn't have any other sisters with us, um, which my whole mission, we had sisters living with us. It wasn't just me and my companion. So it was a struggle, but it was also nice for this time because we lived in a two bedroom, two bath apartment. So we each had our own bathroom. We each had, um, well, no, we didn't have our own bedroom because you're not allowed to have your own bedroom, but we had like, um, a room designated for our office, which is where I was when I read the email. And then we had our bedroom and our bathrooms connected to each bedroom. So my bedroom or my bathroom was in the bedroom and my companion, like I was very selective on, like opening myself up to companions, um, especially if it was like my family or home related. So typically I always will like immediately go and pray or go and read the scriptures. But this time, like I just didn't even know what to do. So I just walked to the bathroom and I remember just sitting on the floor and just like crying um, so hard. 
and like I have never cried before. Um, and I just sat there for a little bit and we had church and like we had to leave to walk to church and like probably 30 minutes. And so I sat there the whole 30 minutes. Um, and my companion had no idea what was going on. She was still getting ready in her bathroom across the apartment. So I sat there and I could be as loud as I wanted with my cries. So I just turned the shower on. Um, and that was the first time I ever felt like I couldn't really turn to Heavenly Father. Um, maybe not like I couldn't turn to him, but just that I felt like I didn't even know what to do. And so that wasn't even an option in my head at the time. Um, and continuing through that throughout that whole day, like I just don't feel like I've ever felt like that before. Um, to where I was just consumed by like sadness and my crying um, at church. I cried the whole entire time. We went home right after church and I laid in bed and I just cried the whole day. Um, and I finally had like cried myself to sleep that night and then the next day was P-Day. Um, and so again that whole day I just cried. Um, I remember trying to read the scriptures and trying to feel some peace but it was like there was like nothing. Um, I've always heard experiences of people like really praying and getting like this huge, cool, overwhelming experience where they feel like arms wrap around them. And I kept praying for that. I kept wanting it to happen and it wasn't happening. Um, and I just remember it being Monday night and we didn't go out to work that P day um, from six to nine. I literally just laid in bed and cried and I remember like doing my night prayer that night and just asking Heavenly Father, like, I know like I'm really struggling, um, but I have to be okay. Like tomorrow, I can't waste another day. I wasted all of Sunday, I wasted all of Monday, and like I cannot waste another day, another day just like laying in bed and crying. And I remember asking my mom, like, what do I do? Because she had a best friend, her best friend passed away when she was younger in a car accident. And I remember like asking her, like, I just feel so sad, like, and I don't know what to do. And she just told me like, it's okay to sad, be sad, but just be sad and then like get over it. And so I was like, it, like, I'm fine. Like I could be sad and I could get over it. And so I prayed really hard that night, just like, please help me wake up and feel okay. Like I could go out to work and um, God is good. And he helped me do that. But I feel that because I didn't, allow myself time to grieve and to process what had happened. Um, I hid it behind so many walls and so many layers on the mission that it didn't really hit until I got home, until AJ passed away, that it was like everything hit me at once. And so it was just like, because I didn't do what Lonnie did and she recognized a problem and she did what she needed to do, like she found the help and she accepted that help because I didn't do that. Like it affected me more at home than it did on the mission. Um, and I remember having so many companions where they would tell me like things that they struggled with, whether it was like physically or mentally, whatever it was. And I would always tell them like, go to therapy. Like we have a mission therapist, like go and take advantage of it. God gives us these resources for a reason. Um, and so I had so many companions that had that way. And I would always try to like, you know, push them to just do it because it's for themselves and like, like love yourself so that you can take care of yourself. But then when it was my turn, like I totally just buried the problem because I thought God was helping me get over it. 
and just like be okay for the minute when I wasn't really like taking the time to take care of myself. So then it was just like all piling up and building up and then it exploded in my face and everybody else's faces <laughs> at home with me. So thanks Raya for sharing yours. With kind of how Raya ended, hers all came full circle with what she thought she took care of, but then realized she didn't, that she just covered it up after AJ passed away, which is our cousin, and he passed away a month after you got home? Two. Two months. But while that happened, Paul, you were still on your mission. Um, and I know, like with what Raya said, I think it ties in a lot to not only the, like our upbringing with parents, but also our culture that we're a part of, I think, just getting help, kind of like what we talked about with Lana already, through like therapy and people outside of our home and our families or like the savior has like a stigma on it and it's not normal or talked about enough. So um, Pauline, if you could talk a little bit about how AJ's passing affected you because you and AJ are closer related than we are. Um, your moms are sisters and you grew up together. So AJ passed when you were on your mission if you could share a little bit of how that affected you on top of, I mean, where you were serving your mission and how that tied in with you being expected to continue to like keep working and serving on your mission. <clears throat> yeah, so I served in Tonga. AJ also served in Tonga. So he, and um, anyone who knows AJ, they know how funny he is, how crazy is, um, he is, and that's how he was um, in Tonga. So just basically everyone, all the kind of, all the members that I knew in Tonga, they would bring him up um, and just talk about how he passed away. And if I knew him, if I ever um, served in the same area as him. Um, actually, when I first found out, we just finished a meeting at church and I found out right the day he passed and it was kind of surprising. Um, it didn't seem real. Um, and I didn't really believe it until we went home um, and all the texts, all the missionaries started um, blowing up our phone um, saying if I like heard anything about um, AJ's passing and just saying sorry or to call them right away. And, and it was a Sunday in Tonga, so I, um, I just broke down in tears. I cried my eyeballs out. If you ever seen the other side of heaven, um, Fifita, that's how I cried. <laughs> I know all the members probably woke up, but I didn't care. I was so surprised, and I bawled my eyes out. And um, and I, I was just super shaky because it didn't seem real. But um, the next day was P day, so. Just getting the call from home, I tried to pull myself together and tried to not cry on the phone because I knew um, that it was um, everyone was going through the same pain that I was going through because it just happened and they're probably still shaking. Um, and my family was really strong. Um, they started out the call with just asking how I was and tried um, to just have everyone smiling and um, kind of not bring it um, say the words out right away um, so I'm not you know just take it one step at a time but when they did they realized that I already found out and 
they apologized and said how they wished that I, they were the first ones to tell me. And it was really hard. I thought I would be able to get over um, it um, pretty quickly. Um, kind of like Raya, I just try to, I kind of actually put myself in a little um, bubble, just try to shut everyone out, especially being in Tonga. Um, they don't really, um, kind of like you were saying, um, <laughs> um, mental, health, um, mental health isn't really a thing out there. Um, they just try to get over it. And so I didn't really have anyone to talk to. My companion was actually the reason why I um, tried to push myself. Um, she was actually my MTC companion. And she was the one who kind of motivated me and uh, made me have the desire to just get over um, Mapa, um, AJ's death just because I knew how much I loved her and how much she loved the work and wanted to work. Um, and I realized that AJ, if he um, were here today, he wouldn't want me to waste any time on the mission because mission um, missionary work was a big deal to him. Um, so after two days of um, crying, I just told myself that I'm not going to bring it up anymore and I'm going to get to work and serve and just do the same work that he was able to do in Tonga and preach um, the gospel. And I did felt, um, feel like it um, did help me in teaching just because I've never been through something so hard um, with that. Especially being away, not being able to go to the funeral, I feel like I was able to use the plan of salvation, um, take advantage of that and help them understand that um, God has a bigger picture for all of us and he has a um, plan for all of us and we're able, we are able to see each other in the next life. So that really helped a lot. Was there any other struggles that you felt you went through that like tested your mental health on your mission? Besides, I mean, that big blow of AJ. I think just being a Tongan, growing up in America, not really knowing the culture as much or the language. I understand a little bit, but I didn't, um, I couldn't speak fluently and I couldn't understand everything. Um, so always having to have um, yourself be compared, have the members compare you to missionaries that are from America who can speak fluently or having your companions just um, think, kind of think that you're stuck up because you're from America. Everyone from America, they're rich. And so it was kind of hard just get them to understand like, no, I'm yeah. just like you. I'm a missionary. I want to learn. And um, we aren't the richest, but like we have the same mindset of the gospel. Like everyone has the gospel. And um, I know that I was called here to do a work. So that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to show off or anything like that. Yeah. So I think just um, trying to adapt to each companion um, and how just understanding them um, where they're coming from because obviously they'll feel that way because they've never been to America they um, haven't been in my shoes so they don't really understand so I think that was really hard just having confidence was yeah. I think the biggest block for me um, just because even some of the like bishops, they would kind of, <laughs> their expectations, like if 
they felt as if you, if you didn't get the language down or didn't know the culture, then you're the one who's kind of slowing down the work. So it was kind of just, I need to get this down. It, I need to push myself and get all the lessons. And especially because they were good in the Bible, I had to know the Bible and <laughs> it was just everything at once. It was just a race. Yeah. So just like, like what okay. Lonnie said, it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. So, so um, with like what R Raya said, I, I have like two different questions to ask you. The first one is does, I don't know if it's the same like on all missions, but did your mission have like a therapy type of situation offered for missionaries there as well? Um, like that some of your companions used Did that ever cross your mind if they did to like use it. And then also, do you feel like it's been the same experience? You haven't been home for too long, but do you feel like it's been the same with Raya since coming home? Like of like you kind of deal with the grief again once you're home and like reality sets in of like AJ being gone. Have you, do you feel like it's been the same for you? Um, I feel like for the Tongan mission, it's mostly just the counselors um, to the mission president that you really talk to, or you ask for an interview with president. Mm -hmm. I don't really think they had a, an exact um, person to actually yeah. talk about those things, a therapist. So. Um, but I was the same like Raya. Right when I got home, I just finally was relieved to have my own moment. I could just, because being on a mission, you do have to, like Lani was saying, you have to be with your companion 24 seven. And so I kind of just tried to hide that part of me. I didn't want anyone to thinking, um, to think that I was hurting or know that I was hurting just because of all um, that was expected of me. So there wasn't any time to do that grieving. So right when I got home, that's, when I finally had the chance to grieve and just to cry and have all those feelings and yeah. Do you feel like that's helped you? Um, yeah, I feel like being able to talk with my siblings helped a lot just because it's the their family too. Like right. We can relate. You guys were like siblings yeah. basically with AJ. And catching up with them just, especially having, um, yeah, talking about it helped a lot. Um, I didn't feel like I really could talk about it with anyone on the mission. So being able to just come and talk to anyone or um, the people that you do trust really did help a lot. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Paul, for sharing yours. Um, so with you guys, what do you think, um, what would be like your biggest advice to someone that is on the fence about wanting to serve a mission? Um, but they already currently struggle with like mental health issues, whether it's like anxiety or depression, what would your advice be to them? Like knowing through serving a mission, um, do you have any advice that you want to give, give them if they want to go on a mission, but they're hesitant or nervous because of what they struggle with already? Go. Um, that would be my biggest advice is to just go and, I think before serving a mission, there's so much, um, like so many opinions about coming home early because of you struggled with your anxiety or your depression or physical issues, whatever it is. Um, but serving a mission and seeing whether it's you're in the MTC for a week or whether you f fulfill your whole thing, 
the blessings and the things you'll learn in that week or that whole full term of 18 months or two years is things that you never could have learned at home. Um, and that Heavenly Father knows you personally. So if you do struggle with depression or anxiety, Heavenly Father knows that. He knows it more than anybody, more than your parents or your siblings, whatever. Um, and he's going to send you somewhere that will help you with those things. Um, like me and, um, like, well, I guess our missions and Pauline's is totally different to where we did have mission therapists because we know Lonnie talked to one and ours, he was like, whenever we needed him to talk to him. Um, I talked to my mission nurse one time when one of my companions was talking to the therapist and she said that like 95% of missionaries would at least once in their mission talk to the mission therapist. And so Heavenly Father knows you more than anybody and he's going to send you to a place that you're not going to like, you're not going to, I don't know, fall apart when you're there because he knows exactly where you need to be and there, there's different missionaries like the one, or there's different missions like the one that Pauline served in, but he'll send you to where you need to go. And whether you're there the full time or not, um, you'll learn things that you couldn't have learned anywhere else. Awesome. Um, I would say to go to, I have a brother who came home early from his mission due to like um, an injury before the mission. And I felt like no matter where my brother is at this moment or in the future, like his mission has played a huge role in who he is and just like his testimony like being on a mission the same time as my brother was like really cool because we both struggled and it was really cool to just call home and be like oh my gosh like I had the worst week nobody wanted to talk to me like and I'm just a struggle bus and he would always look at me and he'd be like you know what that's okay like you're fine you're doing your best as long as you know you're out here serving the Lord for the right reasons and I'm grateful for my brother because it was like, I always was like, okay, I can't go home now because he's on a mission. It wouldn't be fair. And then he went home and like, I just remember crying because I was like, I'm the one that needs to go home. <laughs> like, I'm the one that needs like heart surgery or something. Like, I was just like, I'm heart I was like, I was really heartbroken. My mind was like, gonna, my brain was in a burst because it was just like, wow, I just got over this hurdle to like stay in my mission. My brother's like, they just call me and they're like, oh, he's going home today. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like what? But I feel like that helped me just to understand that like, no matter like if you stay the full two years or if you leave out after one month, you were a missionary, you were there for a reason. Like you touch people's hearts, no matter what like you've said, like even your actions, like people would just tell me like, thank you for smiling at me today. Like, you know, people don't really do that. Like, and I'm like, I'm trying to be nice. Like, you know, it's like the simple things that like, you're there in that specific reason, like in that moment for someone specifically. And um, I would say go no matter your struggles like you're going to struggle like mm -hmm. in your actual yeah, life no matter at what. home like it's all a struggle we're here to learn like the plan of salvation he sent us here to learn to grow to become who he has in store for us and we're not going to grow if we're not like struggling like that's something that i can like preach because <laughs> like i've grown a lot and like yes. my mission and my the testimony that i got for my mission is like 
it mind it's mind blowing to me because like if you asked me like to bear my testimony like a long time ago I'd be like I know the church is true da 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 but now I I'm like can I bear you my testimony like I just know like that this is God's church like Heavenly Father knows you He loves you like you should love yourself but go on a mission missions are fun period but hard <laughs> what about you Paul I'd say the same thing um but also getting a relationship with our Savior, that would help a lot. Just understanding His mission will prepare you for your actual mission. Um, just because, like it said, um, He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So just understanding that we are going to have struggles on the mission and there are going to be a lot of times where we want to go home and um, or we don't, like, well, we feel inadequate. Um, but just knowing and understanding the Savior's mission of everything that He went through um, gives you an understanding that he has a plan for you too. Um, that through him you can get over literally everything. And you do just need that push. You might not um, know whether you want to go on that mission or not, but once you do get out, that, out there, you'll um, have a better um, understanding and a view, and you'll see people and meet people that, um, whose lives you'll be able to touch and realize um, how grateful you are for this gospel and how much it has changed. So um, all those feelings eventually will go away um, through our Savior Jesus Christ and through the gospel. So, Period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you just said that because that was my comment that I was going to be because I feel like, I mean, I never served a mission, but like always thinking of missionaries and people that served, I just thought that they were like, once you became a missionary and you were serving, like it was almost like you were like held up from everybody else um, in that you didn't struggle with whatever you struggled with in normal life. And I think that comes from me like being naive and not serving a mission, but I think it also comes from because I think it's not as normal to be open about the struggles that do actually happen on missions. So that's why I thought this was so important to have you guys sit down and talk about this so that people know that it's real, especially for those ones that haven't served yet um, and are thinking to, but they know that they have their struggles so that they feel not enough to serve for them. And then also for the people that are still struggling with things um, and working through things that happen to them, like on their mission, whether it's coming home early or stuff like with what Raya said or Pauline of grief that occurred on the mission and they tried to cover it up to keep working. But then when you come home, you're still left with that and they feel like alone, like no one else has felt that. And I think it's so important and there's so much like power behind speaking your experience because then it helps people to not feel like in the dark or alone. So I knew that this had to be spoken about and just for people to know Again, I mean, I feel like I'm backtracking if you're wanting to go, but you struggle with things like whatever it is that you struggle with, whether it's depression or anxiety, if you struggle with that now, if it's self-harm, suicidal thoughts, if it's addictions, whether it's pornography, law of chastity, um, word of wisdom, like those appetites, those temptations, those struggles will still come up on your mission. I mean, I feel like no, now knowing what I do, like especially will come on your mission because of the work you're trying to do. But from what you women have shared, 
um, is that it's worth it because you're going to struggle either way. But what you learn there is just something you can't learn or gain anywhere else. So I think it's always awesome. I'm getting a little bit older and I love when the moments happen where you can look and see why you struggle through certain things that you did in your life. Um, and you're able to see that later on of like, oh, this happened to me. And if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have this or I wouldn't be this person. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Like when you're able to see why things had to be what they were, even though in the moment you felt like, why would this happen? Why is it necessary? Um, I don't know if any of you have felt, I mean, I know you have the feelings you do about your mission. Like you knew that you had to serve, but have you guys had any of those kind of like aha moments with what you've went through on your mission to now being home for a little, um, of seeing why it had to be what it was for you in your life now? I think for me, um, not opening up about how I felt about Kenrod and then continuing when AJ passed away, um, because I still, even after he died, held it all in. Like I cried just as hard as I did with Kenrod that first day or two after um, AJ passed away. But it wasn't until like months and months after that just like things would literally like trigger those feelings. And so I continued to keep it buried because like you've talked about on past episodes or maybe not on past episodes, maybe I'm thinking something else totally in my head. Um, But like talking to Pauline about like the um, views of like just being Polynesian and not opening up about um, things that you feel. I didn't feel like I um, was okay to open up about feeling so like sad and feeling like it was not just a a temporary sadness like it was literally causing me to be so angry and rude to my younger siblings just at home in general and so it wasn't until I started opening up um, that I started to feel like it being relieved and so I think for me the biggest aha that I've experienced is that it's okay to be a little vulnerable and to be um it's okay to not be okay, like pretty much that, um, that there's going to be things that I have to go through that I can help somebody else with. Um, like I remember like just thinking of Pauline and how I had went through it with Kenrod on my mission and just thinking of like, what could I possibly say and do to help Pauline because she's in the same exact situation. So just like knowing that, like that was another aha that like, okay, well you went through something so that you could help somebody else. Um, And just like, it's okay to not feel okay because I felt like that for a really long time. Um, And just to realize that it could be, in Luisa's words, a month that it takes for you to heal or it could be a year, it could be however long, but it's okay. And like, you'll be okay. Yeah, awesome. I think mine would just be trials in general. Um, I remember part of it, there was a time in my mission where I, I just felt like I wasn't doing anything because there wasn't really big trials for me to face. So I didn't, I didn't really write home for like a good six months because I was just like, I literally have no, I have no nothing to say. say. I'm just living my life here. Like, like I'm doing good. Like, there's nothing really, anything like crazy. So, um, I remember praying for trials. And I was like, okay, Heavenly Father, like, this is, I don't feel like I'm growing at all. Like, I need you to show me those trials, like the trials that a mission usually has. 
so that I can grow, so that I can share my testimony, that my testimony can grow and I can share it with others. And then I remember when the child started, like after a few months, the child started coming in. I was like, wow, okay, so they're here. And <laughs> more? And I was like, okay, thank you. Like, and then on top of that, like more and more trials were coming. And I was like, okay, that's a little too much. Like, <laughs> I asked for a few. <laughs> like, he like blessed me with so much. And I was like, oh my goodness, okay. I don't know if, like, this is part of my prayer. Like, if these are the trials that will, like, help me get stronger, or if it's just him, like, laughing in my face and just, like, throwing them all at me. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't until after I came off my mission and I seen how much the world's changed and how much um, people are suffering from, from things like this, like depression or mental health or um, death or sicknesses and, like, divorces, things like that. And... When I did come home, it kind of, that was the aha moment, just because um, everything that I faced, it might have not been the exact thing that um, people are going through right now, but the feeling, um, I could say, was pretty close to what they're experiencing. So I, um, when I did end up hearing like crazy, like the crazy things that are going on in like with my friends or my family, it wasn't really a big um, scare to me. It wasn't a big surprise just because I was able to exper experience that through the mission and endure it um, to the end. I was able to see the blessings that um, came with having faith and saying prayers and reading the scriptures. And I did see, um, was able to see my father's, um, Heavenly Father's hand in that. So just coming home, it was just um, easier to deal with. I wouldn't say it was easy to deal with, but it was easier than it would have been if I didn't serve a mission. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. So wrapping up with like my last question for you ladies, if you have had to say um, like your top self-care action to do through like what you went through, what would it be? So Raya, we'll start with you. I think when I was going through it, I did a lot of unhealthy self-care things like oh this. <laughs> yeah. Drinking soda Period. that makes me Period. happy. <laughs> um, drinking soda that makes me happy or just like any food and drink things. Um, I did a lot of unhealthy things, but I think the best self-care thing um, would have been just talking to my sisters, talking to you, um, with anything that I go through or that I've gone through, just talking to like my best friends, um, that I feel love me more than anybody else other than Heavenly Father. Um, that was the best thing that I could do for myself because there are things that they would tell me or, um, would recommend to me that were good for my, myself that I wasn't already thinking like I could do. Awesome. Um, yeah, I ate a lot of chocolate. <laughs> like, I think like I didn't go one day without chocolate. <laughs> like, even the MTC, like I was just always like, 
I don't know. I always needed something. Um, chocolate was like, chocolate and soda were like my go-to, but I agree with Soraya, like talking to someone. I'd always talk to like my mom or my sister and like I'd email Soraya because like she's going through the same thing as well. And like even emailing her up till like the end of my mission, it was always like good to hear like what advice she had because like Soraya's so like wise and like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and because like she's my best friend, like just Oh, I always want to know like what she's thinking so that I could like feel like, oh, like I'm not dumb. <laughs> Cause like half the time we're like thinking the same thing and it's just like always like good to talk to someone who like can understand or who can be like not judgmental. Um, and so like, like Soraya or like Pauline, like I'll talk to or like my cousins because I'm close to them. Um, I think always talking to someone is like a good thing because like you're able to get things off your chest that you wouldn't if you just keep it bottled in. Awesome. What about you, Paul? I think mine one would be um, just giving yourself credit, being confident in who you are and just understanding that no one's perfect. Um, you will make mistakes. Um, but try not to compare yourself to anyone because I feel like I did that a lot on the mission, especially when people are doing it for me. <laughs> so just <laughs> like, like, okay. <laughs> I feel like um, just being confident in your own skin um, and who you are, accepting who you are and understanding your worth is probably what I'd say. Awesome. Love that. Um, was there anything else you guys felt prompted to share or say before I wrap it up? I think that there are people out there specifically for you to touch their hearts. Mm -hmm. Like there's a couple people that like I met on my mission that I was like I know you like I've seen you before and it was always like it always felt like deja vu but it was like they taught me something and I was able to teach them and just share my testimony and like somebody does need to hear your testimony like I can preach that because like you don't have to be like I know the church is true but like telling someone that you know that they're loved by Heavenly Father, like that's worth more than I think anything in this world is to know that you are loved by Heavenly Father. Because like people don't know that these days. People don't believe in God. But like, you know, if you believe that there's somebody out there who loves you, who looks out for you, like that's worth more to me than anything else. So like somebody is out there specifically for you, whether you're on a mission or not. You don't have to be on a mission to find that person but there are a lot of people that are out there specifically for us yes i love that you said that because that tied into when we were talking about this it made me think of something and i was like okay i can wrap it up in ending and saying that because it was like a big like thing for me um when raya was on her mission and seeing everything that she went through and like it was hard for us being back home like because we were close not being with her to like help her through it but um like seeing her strength and like staying and like getting letters or my parents getting texts from people that met her and that they were answers to her prayers like a woman that was really struggling through what she was going through saying that she had prayed like heavenly father for an angel to like be sent to her to like help her and then soraya ended up being that angel to her it made me think about, um, because at the same time I was like working in the young women's and mental health was a huge, huge issue. We talked about a lot of the times when it came to depression and suicidal thoughts and self-harm. 
And I remember we had to have like a celebration of life um, party because we had one of my young women that attempted suicide and thankfully it wasn't successful. So we wanted to have like um, a celebration that they were all alive to know like how important they were and they're meant to be here and not to give up. And during that, I had thought of Soraya and I remembered a time when she was in the young woman age and she was younger in junior high. And this is like, I know this is like a little more personal, but I just feel like I got to share it that Raya went through a time where she felt like she didn't want to be here anymore. And she had suicidal thoughts and was struggling. And we knew that because she reached out to a close friend of hers who then texted me and told me. And I remember how like scared we were and worried that she was going through that. And then just seeing how grateful that not only I was, but all the other people that got to meet her on her mission, like with what you said, Lani, like there are people out there meant to hear specifically from you and fill your spirit um, just by you being who you are, like Pauline of what you said, your top self-care suggestion would be. And so I think that's a huge thing that people need to hear um, because there are people that really struggle with it day to day. But just to know that there are people that love and do support you, whether you can see it or not, um, currently in your life. And there are people in the future that need so much just of you to show up and be there because you are going to impact their life forever. But they won't have that if you're not here anymore. So I think that... Um, that's something people need to realize. And that would be like my call to action. Um, wrapping up of what all of you guys said of your self-care um, suggestion, I think all of them combined is if someone is watching this and they are struggling with something mental health related, that they like combining the two of yours, they take that step that a lot of times feels hard, but recognizing they do have loved ones and people that want what's best for them. So talking to somebody about what they're going through and then with what Pauline said as well, just know that you're enough to be heard with what you're going through, that people are going to want to hear, that they do want to know that you're okay. They want to be there for you if you're not. So just knowing um, just your worth and that you are enough and it's okay where you are right now. All you can do is your best one day at a time. And so I think that would be my call to action for anyone watching this is again, just reach out to those that love you most and are going to give you healthy advice and be there for you and just realize that you're enough and to give yourself some grace. So that would be it for the rest of our episode. Thank you guys for coming and for being open and honest about what you went through. You're all so amazing and I'm so proud of all of you and the women that you are. And I know that your impact goes beyond the people that you immediately met and affected on your mission. I know that it will influence generations to come through you being brave and continuing through your missions and teaching and loving those that you did. So thank you for being you and thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time.